If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Daily Roto TV here on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco. We are here to run through all the NFL draft prop bets. We are going to go through the first round kind of the best that we can. We're going to talk about the the QB situations, maybe what we're going to look for on the second and third days of the draft. This is really going to be our comprehensive NFL draft show um, you know, Ricky, how are you? Are you feeling? Are you are you excited for this? I actually, in a weird way, I'm starting to get sad because now that we are so close to this happening, there is going to be a big lull when the NFL draft is over because we're talking about, you know, maybe maybe June we get some golf, maybe May we're going to get some European soccer coming back, but you know, after these 3 days of the NFL draft, we're we're looking at a big lull. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm a little concerned about that, but I think all of us will be the most prepared for a fantasy football season and maybe a dynasty fantasy football season uh, that we ever have been, having broken down all these rookies so many times before the draft and then figuring out where they actually land, which I think should throw a wrench in everything because obviously some lesser talents, if they end up on better offenses, will think more highly of them than we, we did before the draft. But I've got a bunch of bets out there. So right now I'm just anxious to see how those unfold before I think about anything else. Uh, I think my quarterback under bet is looking good. I think my defensive lineman bet's looking good. But, you know, with these reports that the draft should be crazier than expected, you don't you don't really know how to feel. Pacheco, how are you feeling? We're, we're sitting here. We're looking at we're hoping that the uh, that the draft gets started soon, you know, that we that we all uh, really enjoy it. Uh, how are you feeling sitting here? We are we are close to a beginning. How how are you feeling over there? 
Well, I feel very prepared, and I think for for the first time in a long time, I'm I'm really excited about the NFL draft. Obviously, there's just there's just nothing else going on at the moment, and I am a bit concerned that after this, it doesn't seem like we have really anything meaningful. Um, you know, hopefully the, the PGA Tour at some point resumes, and we can talk about that. Um, something has to resume and, and give us something to talk about. So a little bit concerned, but mostly just excited uh, for the NFL draft to get going, man. Uh, so, so you are a Bears fan, Ricky. What are you? What are you hoping happens for the Bears throughout this experience? You know, I, you know, they don't pick for a while. They don't have a first round pick, but you know, every team looks like every person looks at the NFL draft, even if it's their job to look at the draft. You, you do really look at things through the lens of your team. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. I am, you know, very much hoping that they either trade back from the 17th pick, um, take Grant Delpit, maybe they take a wide receiver. I, I really do not want them to take an inside linebacker, which is kind of what it's looking like uh, they want to do. What are you hoping that the Bears leave this draft with? Secondary. I think they badly need some secondary right now, and I hope they just take the best players available. I mean, I think the offense is a bit of a lost cause because they had a needed tight end. They filled it with Jimmy Graham, so I don't think they're going to be looking there. I, I kind of wish they did, even though this isn't the greatest of tight end classes. Um, they had a needed quarterback. They filled that with Nick Foles. So at this point, we just need to build a dominant defense and, you know, have that style of play like the the Bears of the early 2000s where you grind it out with defense and you get just enough offense to win. I think that has to be their strategy. And with the losses in the secondary, uh, there's an opening at quarterback and an opening at safety. I think they have to fill those holes to have a defense that's going to make this team competitive. They don't pick for quite a while. I think they have, you know, three picks before like 160 is about it. And they need to get strength in numbers there. I mean, they, uh, Clinton Dix, Amukamura, these are holes that need to be filled. And I, I think that has to be the focus. Just let the draft fall as it may. I don't think there's a reason to trade up. Uh, you know, draft is reasonably deep at both positions, especially after you get past the first round. I would love to see the Bears, you know, just, just fill in their secondary. All right. What about uh, what about you, Pacheco? The the New England Patriots, a lot of holes. You know, they they do not have a tight end really on the roster that they trust. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe New England fans are talking themselves into Jared Stidham, but I think New England is definitely in the market for a quarterback. I think you can argue that the defense is really pretty solid. I mean, maybe they could yeah. use some help on the edge, but mm -hmm. the secondary is pretty solid. Uh, so, you know, what are what are you hoping they do at pick 23? Will you be mad if Belichick trades down from this pick? Like, because, you know, they, they need top-end talent. This is a this yeah. is a roster that needs some top-end talent. Are you, are you going to be mad if they do the normal Patriots way thing of trading back from this pick? No. No, um, here's the thing. They, they have picked 23 in the first round, but then they don't they don't have a second round pick uh, this year. They do have uh, three third round picks. Uh, so that's that's very meaningful for them. What I'm hoping happens here is whether they trade back, um, which I think it's it's a fine decision or just pick a, a pick pick 23. Uh, I want them to be able to select. Uh, a meaningful player at pick 23. It doesn't have to be a quarterback. Um, I was hoping, actually, that at pick 23, the, uh, you know, they could pick a skilled player and then 
you know, hopefully in round three, someone like Jalen Hurts is available, which at this point, that's that's not going to happen. Jay, I don't th- I really don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be there in round three. So um, if they like I, I want them to pick Jalen Hurts so badly, even if they have to do it at pick 23, that's who I want them to choose. And then in round three, I think they can you know select that tight end. Um, they can select a, a defensive end uh, in the third round as well. Like there, there's going to be strong picks uh, by that time as well. But someone like Jalen Hurts is not going to be available anymore. Yeah, so Jalen Hurts is definitely one of those guys who has, I actually think Jalen Hurts probably has benefited from the lack of uh, pro days, benefited from the lack of medicals. Um, I don't think a lot of the things that Jalen Hurts does well shines at a pro day. He's not like a guy who's going to be throwing dimes into trash cans 60 yards away. Like that's not really uh, his top skill set. I mean, he's more accurate than scouts. Uh, well, he's more accurate than people think of him you know people think of him as like a tim tebow jump thrower weird windup mm-hmm. like none of that is true uh but jordan love has not had a, a chance to have medicals Tua hasn't had a chance to get medicals herbert hasn't had a chance to get medicals and also haven't gotten those pro days i think that herbert is probably a guy who would have just crushed it at pro days because he has been herbert is like the prototypical has been going to quarterback camp since he was 10 knows mm-hmm. how to answer all the questions knows how to do all the drills uh i think the same for jake Fromm. i think the same for jacob eason so you know ricky we, we've talked a lot about your under quarterback bet you know who ruins your bet it's it hurts ruins your quarterback well hurts or love both have the ability to ruin your under quarterback bet yeah definitely but I saw on Twitter a photo that's been going around of that long release from Hertz, and that's why people think he's more of a second or third round quarterback as Mm -hmm. opposed to a first rounder. It, of course, only takes one team, but I'm still feeling confident that one of the first 32 selections will not be Jalen Hurts because of the potential downside and the worries that the throwing motion is too long. Now, is that going to matter if he is like a Lamar Jackson and he's consistently rushing for close to 100 yards per game and he can give you that dual threat? I'm not sure it, it matters that much because he has these other skill sets, but the fact that teams appear to be looking for their quarterback of the future and a lot of these GMs I don't think are incredibly open-minded does continue to make me feel confident that Hertz is not a first-rounder, which it certainly is a possibility. And the Patriots, you know, I think they're one of the teams that could be a wild card. There's a few others. I think uh, the Packers are a team that could be a wild card team to take a quarterback towards the end of the first round. But I still think looking at the talent and looking at what I think is the consensus for the industry, uh, these guys are should go outside the, the, the top 32. I still think at max we get four quarterbacks in the first round. I think that you are likely right. Like, I think on average you are right. Um you know, it just it, exactly what you said is true. You know, it does. It just it just takes one. And um, Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think that Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts are really interesting in the sense that they are kind of guys who can get coaches fired or, or get a GM fired. But they also could be the type of guy that saves a coach's job, because if you get that guy and Jordan Love works out, you get that guy and Jalen Hurts works out. All of a sudden you go from being a losing team, you know, six and 10, seven and nine, eight and eight, you know, and then that guy's great. 
and all of a sudden all your players on offense look better, your defense is playing with a lead, and, and things are, are just all different. So, again, we are here right before the start of the NFL draft. Ricky, what, what's happening with Tua? Where, where, is Tua, is Tua going to slide? Is Tua going at six? We, it's, it's come time where we got to make a decision with uh, you know, our mock drafts and our bets and everything. What's happening to Tua? So the markets are, are souring on him. I still think he's the logical choice for the Dolphins. If if you forced me to make a decision right now, I would say Tua is going to the Dolphins. I, I still think he goes to the Dolphins. What about uh, what about you, Pacheco? Is is Tua going to the Dolphins? Is Herbert going to the Dolphins? Is someone going to trade up for Tua? What's uh, what's happening? So I, I really still believe that Tua is going to be a Dolphin come draft day, and and I've I've said it. Uh, throughout our shows. Um, I, I know that the medicals are murky. I know uh, it hurts the fact that he hasn't been able to, to be taken a look by team doctors and stuff like that. Um, the Dolphins are going to look really stupid if they pass on him and, and he ends up being, you know, fine. And we, we, we get to see that upside on the NFL. I don't think they do that. I think they select them this season. Yeah. Um, all right, so that that uh, definitely is, I think, the biggest question of the draft. Okay, these are the things that have the ability to make the first round really weird. The first, Tua falling. So if Tua falls past pick six, so that means both, uh, you know, that would mean essentially both Herbert and Tua fall. Both of those things have the ability to make the draft go weird. Uh, further than that, Ricky, Isaiah Simmons, if he does not go at four, And he doesn't go, well, okay, I can actually see a scenario where he does not go at pick four, and Mm -hmm. that changes either the Chargers or the Dolphins' mind about what they're doing with their pick. You know, maybe they began the draft process expecting Simmons to just easily go off the board to the Giants, then he doesn't go off the board to the Giants. Maybe, Maybe the Dolphins think they can pass on Tua or Herbert at five, take Isaiah Simmons, and then trade back up. You know, I, I think that that is a so I think those picks four through five, if Tua and Herbert are still on the board after the Chargers go at six, all, all bets are off for this draft. It just it just gets very weird at that point. Yeah, I wonder if if Miami decides to take Simmons, that is the the butterfly effect that screws up my quarterback you know, over under, because then the Dolphins are sitting there at 18. They could theoretically select a quarterback. We've heard a bunch of teams are willing to trade up. You could get Herbert and Tua within the next 11 or so picks. Then you get the Dolphins taking what's, you know, what's left between Love and potentially Hurts. And if Love then, or I guess Hurts, goes to the Packers at pick 30, all of a sudden we're talking five quarterbacks in the first round. So if the Dolphins view a guy having slid too far and still think they're comfortable with one of the other top five quarterbacks, I think that would really throw a a wrench in this draft because then we're talking about five quarterbacks being a totally realistic possibility because you know the Dolphins will still be looking for one. I suppose they could just say, you know what, we'll take Simmons. There are some good free agents out there. We'll take our chances with, with Dalton or with Winston in the short term and go from there. But I would assume that with all the picks that they've you know racked up that they view this as a year they have to get a quarterback and if it's not Tua I am really scared that we are talking about five quarterbacks in that round one all right Pacheco picks picks four five and six what do you view as uh you know kind of the most likely scenarios there 
So I think if, man, it's going to be really interesting. If the Dolphins believe that Tua can fall to them at 18, uh, they're going to go in another direction with, with their with their selection uh, in, in, the, in the top five. Uh, that would be my guess. My top guess is Tua goes to the Dolphins at, at number four. And, and then, you know, we, we move on. Um, number five for the Giants, I still believe that it's going to be an offensive lineman. Um, and I, I, I have an inclination that it's going to be. The, the, the markets big time agree with you. They are now on the DraftKings Sportsbook minus 500 to take an offensive lineman with their first pick of the first round. And we've we've covered this uh, in previous shows as well. I, I think it's going to be an offensive lineman. I think uh, if I had to bet right now, I think it's going to be Tristan Worse, um, who is one of the better offensive lineman prospects uh, in the country. Uh, and then with pick six, I think the Chargers are are going to go. I think they're going to go the Herbert route, man. Uh, we've heard it a lot at this point. Um, they need a quarterback. Herbert is not my guy, but I think the Chargers clearly need a quarterback, and I think that's who they're going to select at number six. Yeah. So that uh, you know that definitely does change some of the betting, and because there is so much attention on this draft, Ricky, like we are going to have live NFL draft betting and that's like that's going to be a huge market. I something I was thinking about too is, you know, the first round's going to get done and everyone's going to have gotten some of their bets paid out. Uh, you know, hopefully hopefully people have have made money, you know, tailing us, but the second round, the third round, the fourth round like there's going to be more action posted for the second, third, and fourth rounds of the NFL draft on the FanDuel and DraftKings Sportsbooks, you know, MGM, than, than ever before. Like, we're talking about, like, you know, the, 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 the FanDuel Sportsbook, like, they're working, they are working overtime there right now, you know, getting their draft page ready for, for the Thursday night of, uh, of the NFL draft. I wonder if we're going to have some announcer props as, like, fun little throw-ins. I wish we had, like, John Gruden announcing so there could be an over-under on, like, so here's a guys uh, and things like that, like you would get during, like, a Super Bowl. Um, but, yeah, I think live betting is going to be really fun because you could then react, you know, knowing, okay, look, this team went in a different direction than we thought. This guy fell an additional pick. I don't think you're going to get overly favorable odds with, like, an Isaiah Simmons if he falls to, like, nine and you get a team trading up and you try and, you know, bet it within that minute. But there certainly will be some, some interesting ones, especially, you know, I keep just going back to that tweet that this draft is going to be nothing like what we expect uh, I think you'll get some live over-unders for positions as we go on. Like, if a quarterback, you know, if, if only three quarterbacks are taken by by pick 25, all of a sudden you might get a three-and-a-half over-under, and you could, uh, you know, you know, take that as a bet. I think the defensive lineman bet, the one that was four-and-a-half, if you get, you know, four by pick 20, all of a sudden that over-under could go up to five-and-a-half. There are certainly interesting uh, ways that this draft could go, but I'm, I really would like to see those announcer ones where you've got these guys with all their catchphrases and you just sit there tilting and, you know, writing on your notepad, how many times they've said a certain phrase. Uh, I don't know exactly the guys who are, who are doing it this year or what their catchphrases are, but those are the kind of things that would be fun to me that are, you know, outside of football and just fun little things that people like to bet on. I mean, look, FanDuel is getting 25,000 people a week doing survivor betting. People will bet on anything. They definitely will. So we are going to head to our first break here on Daily Roto TV. We will be back in just a few moments to continue our discussion on the 2020 NFL Draft. 
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break on Daily Roto TV here on SportsGrid. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco as we continue to run through our massive NFL draft uh, prop betting, you know, first round discussion. And, uh, you know, we're talking about some of the big flashpoints of the NFL draft. I think in the second half of the draft, a couple of the teams that have a big ability to influence some of these prop bets, influence some of the decisions that other teams make. Pacheco, I think your team is one of them. I think that if the Patriots trade up or trade down or take a quarterback, that's going to big time change the plans of the teams that select, you know, directly behind them, like the New Orleans Saints. You know, I, I think that the the Patriots, because so often they're used to trading back, you know, yeah. but this year it just it really, I think, does not make sense for them to do that. I 
agree with you. I also think that they're not going to trade up, though. Th- that would be my guess. They're just they're just going to select that pick twenty three, and. That we were talking about this earlier, but as far as you know, who I thought they were going to select with that pick, and someone that that I, I feel like is it's your patriot type of guy is uh, Gross Matos, uh, the kid from Penn State. Uh, they need they definitely need help on the defensive line. Uh, I really like the things I'm hearing about Gross Matos. He's he's a massive individual. Uh, doesn't seem like a a, a pot like a finished uh, like prospect. At least that's what I've read on him. Um, but I think that's a guy that I, I feel very confident uh, that, that they could end up taking at pick 23. They're going to continue to be linked to quarterbacks, and it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, but don't be surprised at all if they choose you know, a defensive player, an offensive lineman, something like that. Because I, I, I do think that that is a very strong possibility with their, with their 23rd pick. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I think that, uh, you know, the Patriots, they're, they're probably not gonna, they just, they're not gonna do what everyone wants them to do because Correct. they're the Patriots, and uh, that's not what they do. So something I think that is worth discussing and uh, should be music to Ricky's ears in terms of his under quarterback wager is, it would not surprise me if some of these teams are like, you know what, we're not gonna have rookie minicamps, we're not gonna have OTAs. Why do we want to go in the season with a rookie quarterback? Why am I going to turn my competitive team? You know, this doesn't impact the Dolphins or the Bengals, but this impacts the Chargers. This impacts the Patriots. This impacts, um, you know, some of those teams picking in the 20s. What do those teams want to turn over a quarterback who's going to get a month of practice with his new coach and his new teammates? Like, why do they why do they want that to be the direction that their franchise is heading? Because these rookie quarterbacks, I mean, may, they'll get their playbook over the iPad. They'll be able to FaceTime with their coaches, but it's not like they're going to be able to get out on the field and start running plays, right, Ricky? Yeah, that's that's certainly part of it, and I think that's part of the reason that we've seen the Chargers be so confident in their guy, Tyrod Taylor, is they, like most other teams, just assume that if you can't teach these rookies the the playbook and have them play it out with the talent on the field, they're not going to be as useful in the early going. Now, I don't think the NFL one day is going to, you know, snap, be like, we're starting tomorrow, and that'll be that. I'm sure you'll need time to have camps, but the camps are going to be shorter than usual. It would be my estimation, uh, and you'll go either straight into exhibition games or they'll have to be creative. And I think that's part of the reason that these coaches who do have veterans that are shaky, especially the Chargers, uh, although I think Tyrod Taylor was Anthony Lynn's hand-selected guy, are saying, look, we're we're comfortable with this guy. We don't view him as a bridge quarterback. I think that's partially because a bridge quarterback assumes your young guy is going to be groomed enough to step in midseason, and there just might not be enough time playing with his teammates to assure that you know a Justin Herbert could be ready by week five with a weird schedule. So I think Tyrod Taylor is a guy who in normal years, you know, in seasonal leagues, in dynasty leagues, we would be feeling a lot worse about. But I think there's a legitimate chance that you get double-digit games started from Tyrod Taylor, if not more, just because of the way that the schedule is working out with COVID. Yeah, I and I think that, I, you know, I think that even for the Dolphins, like, you know, they, I mean, even if they take Herbert instead of Tua, you know, it would, would not surprise me if we get multiple games of Ryan Fitzpatrick, if we get multiple games of Josh Rosen. You know, I have not heard Josh Rosen's name said this entire offseason. Like, we are very—he was the he was the number four pick 
um, you know, just not not long ago at all. Yeah. Like he was people thought he was awesome. People thought he was great. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he just has like seemingly no value in the NFL. I just I, I Pacheco, I just want to talk about Josh Rosen. Do we yeah. think that this dude gets starts in the NFL or do we think he is, you know, Brock Osweiler? Do we think he just pretty much washes out at this point? That it's really tough, Davis, because he he was a such a highly touted um, quarterback going in, into the NFL. Um, you know, coming out of UCLA, uh, you know, had a lot of flashy plays. You know, he was kind of like the next guy. And I mean, it's it's not for teams not giving him a shot. They have given him a shot, and he hasn't really shown anything. So at, at this point. Like, I think he's just going to be a backup third stringer moving forward, which is it's crazy to say that about Josh Rosen, given what I saw from him in college. And like, you know, if he's just going to be a guy, that's that's what I'm saying about Justin Herbert. Like he strikes me as just another guy. And it's it's very difficult to wrap my head around him being a potential top six pick when someone like Josh Rosen um, is going to be holding a clipboard. Um and and I believe the he's signed with the Dolphins um, either for this season or for the next couple of seasons because he's very cheap. Um, he's just he's probably not going to to be starting NFL games anytime soon. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick um, is going to be their starter moving forward. Uh, you know, uh, until someone like Tua or Justin Herbert is ready to play. Yeah, I just I just want to comment on how we've gone so quickly away from like projects in the NFL. Yeah. Both at quarterback and receiver. Like, there's no patience anymore with teams. Right now, it's like you're good or you're bad. And it seems like the NBA has gone that way, too, is where there's there's just a limited amount of patience with these players. And we're willing to declare guys who, honestly, 10 years ago would be considered products and teams would be comfortable sitting for two or three years getting them to learn the system. A guy like Rosen, instead of he's thrown into the fire early in his career, there aren't great results, and all of a sudden he's toast. I mean, yeah. in, in Major League Baseball, how many times have you seen a guy called up and down until he finally gets it and then they just unleash him and you don't worry about the poor results that have happened? I mean, we've seen that with so many pitchers. Clayton Kershaw, when he first came up, was having significant uh, control problems. How great is Clayton Kershaw? You, you just don't see the NFL having patience like that with quarterbacks anymore. And I think it's a, a strange transition and I'm not sure when it officially happened. But now because of that Cam Newton season, I think maybe that was it because it was so legendary and now we've seen guys you know look good in year one that's it you you have one audition and, and then you're done and and davis to be fair uh too he, here's probably your answer on rosen the cardinals have selected him in that fourth pick uh, with that fourth pick and then they selected kyler murray not longer not long after that um to you know to be fair to rosen the cardinals didn't have an offensive line which they still don't by the way, to this Correct. day. And the guy was under fire the entire time. Gets traded to the Dolphins. Dolphins don't have an offensive line. The dude looks I mean, absolutely yeah, like... lost out there, right? But the Dolphins are going to select a quarterback again. And so, like, he keeps getting bypassed. And, and that's probably, unfortunately, what's going to happen in his career. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I was the Chicago Bears, if I was the Los Angeles Chargers, if I was the Jacksonville Jaguars, would I trade, you know, a 2023 fourth round pick for Josh Rosen? I mean, yeah, for sure, because 
um i i think that uh i think that there is a lot that you can uh you know i think that there is a lot that you can do with a guy like that if you just if you just take that approach right like if you just go like you know a lot of these guys who are highly drafted highly yeah. pedigree i want to get those guys on my roster um you know i think i think that is that's kind of like a like a money ball style <laughs> approach to the nfl like you know if um if you were if you were the Bears, Ricky, if you if you were sitting there as as Ryan Pace's GM, wouldn't you wouldn't you want them to trade a future pick for Josh Rosen instead of paying uh, Nick Foles' exorbitant salary? Because it's not like the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl in twenty twenty anyway. Well, shame on you for thinking that the Bears are looking for upside and not a quote unquote stable veteran who's just going to do below league average in terms of production. I mean, why would we go for a kid with upside when you could side an elder Nick Foles or a Jimmy Graham to solidify your tight end position? Uh, I just I haven't understood the Bears moves for quite some time. I certainly don't understand it now. If Trubisky's not your guy as backup, I would certainly be fine with the future pick for for Josh Rosen. Just someone with some form of pedigree, knowing that you don't have the picks this year to get your quarterback of the future, and knowing that is immediately going to be a concern, not only because Nick Foles uh, is aging, but just because he's not your quarterback of the future. He is clearly a short-term fill-in, and if Josh Rosen just sitting on the sidelines could end up being that guy, and look, this could be a situation, by the way, that Josh Rosen could thrive in where he just has to be like the Rex Grossman. Just be good enough. Uh, and the Bears don't have to waste a future, you know, first round pick on on a quarterback. They can go in different directions, continue to strengthen that uh, def- defense, continue to strengthen the offensive line around him. I think that would be a logical play, but unfortunately the Bears and logic don't seem to go hand in hand, which by the way, I know I said I didn't want them trading up, but like logic would state that if Grant Delpit falls out of the first round, like that would be the one guy that they probably should try and trade up for. I just don't know if they have the guts to do it. The, the way they've been trending is getting elder, which I haven't understood. I just haven't understood this Bears offseason. It's, it's really puzzling to me. Davis, I wonder if, if uh, the Dolphins would be okay with like a fifth or sixth round pick um, for this year's draft uh, as a trade for Josh Rosen. Because like I, 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 I think they would take the, any. I think they would yeah, take anything like because any they 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 tried it last year and uh, you know it just it just didn't work right. It just with with uh, with Josh Rosen, um, Ryan Fitzpatrick was better, and that's yeah. uh, it's a tough situation for. Of uh, young man to be in, I I will say in these dynasty leagues that uh, that we are doing, where my teams are are just looking for anything there in the in the later rounds, and you're looking at okay, well, what quarterback can I conceivably tell myself a story of him him getting it together? Like Rosen is there in the 27th round of these uh, of these super flex, you know, super deep dynasty best ball drafts. So that's uh that is a, a direction I've headed. Okay, another position that is gonna be of uh of utmost debate in this draft for a lot of teams is offensive tackles. Ricky, how deep do you think the offensive tackle pool is gonna get in this draft? Because I think it could be um like I, I think that we could see like eight offensive linemen go in the first draft like i I, because if you think about it guys you want to guys you want to set up and play as rookies i mean Mm -hmm. offensive linemen like i mean yes it's a very difficult position to play physically but 
you can understand your assignments from reading an iPad. You can get the playbook. It's a, it's a lot simpler than the timing of being a wide receiver, uh, you know, understanding all the audibles and everything of being a quarterback. Like an offensive lineman should theoretically be able to go there day one, show up and play. Now are you talking offensive linemen in general or just tackles? How- I think so. So I think there could be six offensive tackles go. And then I think that, um, Cesar Ruiz, who is like a center offensive guard from Michigan, and then uh, Tyler, but I, I, he has some Polish last name. He was an interior <laughs> offensive lineman at Wisconsin. I think those are the two guard slash centers that could go in the first round. Yeah, and I don't think teams are afraid to reach at an offensive lineman if they view that offensive lineman as best available. It's like the basically the way that our dynasty drafts have worked is that wide receivers, even though they've gone a lot early, teams have been okay taking like the 15th wide receiver before like the eighth running back because teams just don't value certain positions. And I think with offensive line, uh, especially with the depth of tackle at this uh, in this draft, I think that's certainly the case. So in terms of offensive tackles, I think we're guaranteed six to go in the first round, right? I think Werfs, Wills, Becton, Thomas, Jones, Jackson are guys who will go in the first round. I think everything else on the offensive line, centers, guards, tackles included, I think that is going to be a thing to watch towards the end of the first round because we're not incredibly sure and all these over-under bets are going to be decided by the final like six or seven picks, whether a team takes an additional quarterback, whether we see Delpit in the first round, whether we see someone like Cesar Ruiz, the center, like you mentioned, from Michigan slide in there, or even another offensive tackle like Cleveland or Wilson from Boise State in Georgia. I, I think the sure bet is over five and a half. You're not getting that anywhere for offensive lines, though. Uh, so I, I don't know what to, what to make of the betting lines for, for the offensive linemen. I just know that there are going to be six. Where are you at on that, Pacheco? So I, I'm feeling pretty good about uh, – about six or seven to be drafted, and of course, I think the I think the line is six and a half. Six and a half, right? yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're we're right there, but the I think the safety that that comes with drafting an offensive lineman uh, can be overstated here, especially uh, as you mentioned, Davis. Like the, they could just pick up and go uh, from day one, and I think that's going to be really important, especially with the yeah, COVID nineteen situation. I don't situation. think that factor. I don't think that factor can be overlooked when you're making these bets. No. Like, like send send Caesar Ruiz to go play left guard for the Patriots. Like that's a really complicated offense. But guess what? Uh, you just tell him to go block the dude who is directly in front of him on run plays and on pass plays. He's responsible for two different guys, and like he can understand that, right? And it's just, yes. it's it is just way easier for offensive linemen to get up, like to create. And and actually, I think this is a reasonable argument for defensive linemen as well, Ricky. Like, I mean. If you are trying to win right away, let's say you're let's say you're the New Orleans Saints, let's say you're the Kansas City Chiefs. I I want a guy, I want to use this very valuable first round pick that I have and I want to use this as a way to create, you know, production above replacement in the first year. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for me to see a wide receiver. It's very hard for me to see uh, a cornerback. Well, maybe Jalen Johnson for Utah for the Chiefs. I think he's really good, but a, a lot of these guys are going to need 
time, you know, time to learn the system, time to learn the NFL, you know, time to even literally physically get from the location where they are to the, to where they need to go to practice. So, you know, I just, I, I'm so interested in the COVID-19 draft. I think that the results that we are going to see are going to be super unpredictable, super interesting. We're going to go ahead and head into our final break here on Daily Road to TV. We'll be back in just a few minutes to wrap up our discussion on uh, 2020 NFL draft prop betting. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break uh, here on Daily Road TV on SportsGrid. I'm David Smack, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco. We were just in the middle of a discussion on how many offensive linemen are going to go in the first round and, you know, how much value they're going to be able to provide for their teams. Uh, Ricky, are, are you on board with, you know, it's pretty much the easiest position to come in and play from college in the NFL? 
Yeah, so we were talking about, you know, the easiness of positions to adjust to the NFL. I would argue that's why someone like Jeffrey Okuda is so valuable at number three, being an elite corner. Elite cover corner. Yes, you just have to be in a system where you commit to shadowing receivers, which is something uh, that I look at every single week. Which which of the top corners are just locking onto men and and doing their job. And there are only so many defenses in the NFL that are willing to commit to that or have a cornerback of that quality. That's why I think this is not a spot that the Lions should trade out of. Or if they're willing to, you know, in a season where you're unsure of how much practice time you're going to get and you need a true number one, another guy for the Bears if they were willing to. I just don't think they have the assets. But any team that's willing to use a shadow corner, just stick Okuda on the best guy and do your job. I think that. That is a reason that he is potentially even more valuable in this draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, I think that is definitely true as it relates to Akuda. Interesting thing we have going on though, uh, Pacheco, is that the the Falcons are apparently they are wanting to unload the clip to trade up for Akuda. Uh, does not make a ton of sense to me because the Falcons roster is not very good. You know, they're paying Matt Ryan a ton of money. They're mm-hmm. paying an aging Julio Jones a ton of money. They were not a good defense last year. They have offensive line woes. They just let Austin Hooper go in free agency. You know, they're probably going to spend one of their very valuable rookie picks this year on a running back. And that, you know, which again, doesn't necessarily make their roster all that much better. So, uh, you know, what are, what, and by the way, this would mean that the Lions, instead of selecting Akuda, are probably taking Javon Kinlaw. Would you, would you like that trade for the Falcons? I, I like it in the sense of trading for a player that, you know, could be valuable for the Falcons for 10 years if if things work out. Don't really love the idea of trading up in the first round for a non-quarterback, though. So the the thing with the Falcons is, like, they – I feel like they have to be in win-now mode even though they don't have the roster to win now, if that makes any sense. Um, But obviously they have, you know, Calvin Ridley – super talented receiver that is their future but Julio Jones is now in his 30s Matt Ryan in his 30s like the the core pieces of this offense are are, you know are aging and so I feel like a team that's in win now mode that has a very clear hole defensively and also on the offensive line like that's where they should be spending their draft capital on uh, whether they trade up or or you know they they're able to 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 make a, a meaningful pick with, with their uh, first round selection, I think that's that's where they they should go. Now, whether they trade up or not, obviously we don't know. Personally, I don't I don't think they do. I think they stick with their. I think it's like a mid teens draft selection that they have, um, and they just select a, a player there. I, I don't think they end up trading up for Okuda. I think the are Lions there any them. Ricky? Are there any trades that you do think are likely? You know, are there any spots where you're like. You know, this team probably doesn't want to take who is going to be there. I, I think the a couple of spots that I've seen, the Buccaneers at 14, they're likely going to miss out on, you know, a good chunk of those offensive tackles. So unless they want to go really early on a guard, really early on an edge rusher, you know, I, I don't know if it makes a ton of sense for, I don't know if it makes a ton of sense for them to, uh you know, to, to go down to go down that route. Um, you, the, the Cowboys trading back, obviously I would, uh, I would love to see that. Uh, what are you, what are you thinking about that one, Rick? So I actually think the Falcons do make a ton of sense for Okuda. It's just a matter of the lions do too. So why would they, 
will be willing to trade out of that. Like the Falcons defense, the way they've been set up for basically a few years now is they're willing to give up the underneath. And we had a relatively healthy Deion Jones last year, played 539 snaps in coverage. He's a good cover linebacker. So they're willing to sit back, uh, have Deion Jones cover either the tight end or the back and basically give up those short underneath pat, you know, passes. But what a delicacy it would be for this defense to have them to be able to shut down a number one receiver and, uh, you know, rely on just the underneath passes. I think that would make this defense uh, significantly enhanced in a defense where Deion Jones was by far the highest graded coverage man. I mean, everyone else was essentially below average in coverage on this entire Falcons defense. So I think that sort of trade makes sense for them. As for a trade that I think could potentially happen is the 49ers at 13. If, if any of those receivers don't make it there, which is what we've heard, they could potentially be interested in after giving up Emmanuel Sanders. I think they would be okay, you know, racking up picks and moving backwards. As for who would move up if if there's no receiver there. I think that's the question. I think it would be a team needing an offensive tackle. I wonder if, you know, Tampa, if, if they see the tackle list dwindling, uh, would move up a spot there. Or you could get some teams, you know, towards the, the back end of the first round. I mean, the Patriots potentially moving up if we saw Simmons fall really far. Uh, I think 13 is an interesting spot for San Francisco, who has a really good team as is. I think they're, I think they're hoping for one of Ruggs, Judy, and C.D. Lamb, and I think there's trade-up potential towards the, the back end of the first. And if someone trades up for a receiver, all three of them are likely gone. And, and so I think the, the 49ers are one that I would keep an eye on. Yeah, so that, okay, that is a really interesting one. The 49ers pick at 13. They let Emmanuel Sanders go. They basically didn't play Dante Pettis last year. You know, they had just selected him very early in the NFL draft. Uh, Jalen Hurd was hurt last year. Now, it looks like they have a stud in Debo, but they they probably want more support for Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, they have a pretty good offensive line. They have a studly defense. They gained that extra first round pick. You know, do we think that do we think that rugs at 13 to the uh, to the 49ers makes a ton of sense, Pacheco? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, thing is, I, I, I definitely don't think it's a lock. Um, to happen, but I, I do think that uh, Rugs at 13 uh, is certainly a possibility. I, I really wonder um, if the Eagles have to really trade up for their guy, Matt, because th- obviously they've been linked to liking, you know, a CD Lamb and, and all these wide receivers that are just not going to be there when they pick uh, after the, the 20th pick. Um, so my inclination is that the Eagles might have to, to make a, a, a like a trade to get up in the draft and, and get their guy. I wonder if they end up making a trade with the 49ers um, to, to select, you know, their guy. Yeah. I just yeah. want to add, by the way, that I think the Eagles strategy on receiver depends on how healthy they feel Deshaun Jackson is or how, how effective he could be at age 33. If he's still a speedy receiver, uh, then maybe they go the route of staying at pick 21 and taking a big receiver like Denzel Mims because you have that compliment to Deshaun Jackson, who honestly made that offense work last year. When you just had like a two tight end offense with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard with, you know, Alshon Jeffrey Bang. Well, really a three tight end offense because Alshon yeah. is just a tight end <laughs> yeah. at this point. Exactly. So the question is, how do they feel about Deshaun if they're not in love with the way, you know, if, well, his age at age 33 or the fact that he could still run past people? I think you try and trade up for one of these speedy receivers. Otherwise, I think you could be content taking one of the bigger guys. 
But I don't know how – honestly, I'm not behind the scenes, so I don't know how they feel about Jackson. Well, what's interesting is their GM told the Eagles media, you know, on a, on a Zoom call or whatever, he was like, you guys probably want us to get a receiver more than we do. I think they – one, they're probably planning on starting the year with Sean as a starter. Um, they are also probably planning on Greg Ward being a starter. And – they also, because they just spent a really high pick on him, they're probably going to give J.J. Arcega-Whiteside every chance to win, you know, a 70% playing time role in that offense. They are they are not going to be like, oh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is, is Philip Dorsett. Like, they're not going to put him on the scrap heap already. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't, if Justin Jefferson and Ruggs are gone by the time they pick at 21, them picking a cornerback or safety there would not surprise me at all. I agree with that. I think if the guys are gone, then you just react. And our single white side is an interesting one to throw in there because uh, I agree. The question is, where is our single white side starting on that? Like, who is he starting over? You think it's over Jeffrey, clearly, with the way you stated that? No, I think it would be over over Deshaun or uh, over Goddard as like a, a quote unquote starter because you kind of figure their base personnel is for sure going to be Ertz, for sure going to be Alshon, for sure going to be Miles Sanders, and then you have two other slots, and that can be Goddard and Arcega Whiteside, that can be Deshaun and Arcega Whiteside, or that could be Arcega Whiteside and Goddard. You know, it could be any combination of those three guys, uh, or or it could be Ward. It could be it could be uh, you know, and but I think that that will be a legit camp competition, basically. Yeah, so, I think that's fair. Go ahead, Pacheco. No, I just I wanted to to see what you guys' confidence level was uh, on a. So we we think that an offensive lineman is going to go in the in the top five picks. Am I right with, with that? Like, is that a yes for you, Davis, and a yes for you, Ricky? Uh, yeah, because I think I think the the Giants are going to take an offensive tackle at pick four. You know, I think they should take Simmons. Yeah. Does not appear like they are going to do that. Ricky, what's your take on that? An offensive lineman or a defensive lineman? Offensive lineman. Do you think uh, one of them goes in the top five? Oh, almost assuredly, yes. So th- that's – I believe so as well because the Giants are, are going to be forever linked to an offensive lineman, and I think that's the direction they're going. But I, I think if you start to look at the sports books and the prices that they're offering for uh, these offensive linemen to go in the top five – uh, Jedrick Wills is a minus 125 on DraftKings, a minus 160 on FanDuel, and then worse is a plus 300 on DK and a plus 250 on FanDuel. And yeah. if you look at grinding the mocks and you look at all the data out there, it looks like worse is really the, the favorite of the two, but he's not being priced like that on the sports book. So, like, I thought that was a really interesting bet uh, going to, into this draft because we, we, pretty much know that there's going to be an offensive lineman selected with this pick. But whether it's Wills or worse is the big question. And I I have an inclination that it's going to be worse. Yeah, these are my, so these are basically my favorite bets of these, uh, of this draft because there is so much uncertainty. So it's just like to be selected in the top five and basically the same players, but are priced differently. So like you can get Lamb and Judy, depending on the sports book, you can get like, Lamb to go after Judy at like plus 200 or plus 180 when they really project the same. And you can get the same for Werfs and Wills. Um, you know, at tight end, we've talked about this, but you can get, 
you can get Alberto or uh, you know Bryson Hopkins to for like way cheaper than Cole Komet. And basically, if Cole Komet doesn't go in the first round, I don't think there's any difference between him and any of these other tight ends, really. So like these Pacheco, you know what you're talking about there. Other than you know Joe Burrow and Chase Young to be the the first overall guys, like yeah. I, I think that um, I think that that's the 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 right way to approach betting, like first to go at the positions. Because I, I I mean I don't think there's really much money to be made on betting like Burrow and Young to be uh, top five selections. We we know they're going to be there, uh, but the sportsbooks have priced them so efficiently, like there's just no money to be made there. But I think once you get past those two. Like, I thought Okuda had a pretty interesting price tag, um, but really even Tua, although, you know, his his uh, price is, is falling because we think that his, his medicals are going to have a big effect there. Um, but then you got the offensive lineman. You have Derek Brown with a really good price tag. Like, there's a lot of intriguing price tags uh, as far as top five picks. So if you have an inclination, uh, you're probably going to have a, a good price tag on any of the guys that you'll look at. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that I think that's true. Go ahead, Rick. I just want to say I'm trying to figure out how to handicap this Eagles offense now that we've gotten into this conversation. Yeah, it's it's weird. Our Sega Whiteside was horrendous out of the slot last year. I don't think you can you can conceivably consider him a slot starter. He had a 37% catch rate out of the slot. He, only 14% of his snaps came out of them. I think if you're considering him a starter, it has to be him versus Deshaun Jackson is who he would eat into. And the question then would be, would they move Deshaun Jackson to the slot or keep Greg Ward there where he was very productive? And it's it's weird. I think you're going to get a scenario where Arcega Whiteside and Deshaun Jackson don't play as many snaps as we would hope. They're going to be part-time starters. I think it's the only way that this can reasonably work. Yeah, I mean, so I think the, the thing about Arcega Whiteside, though, is that for him to work in the NFL, I actually think it's similar to our boy Chase Claypool. I don't know if he's fast enough overall to play outside. Like, I don't know if he's going to be great at running nine routes. So, like, I think for him to work in the NFL, he's basically got to play that uh, Michael that Mike Thomas position, you know, where he's he's yeah. a big slot and he catches a lot of eight-yard slant routes. And, uh, you know, that's that's how he works in the NFL. And maybe, maybe he just is not a good fit for the Eagles offense because – they have Ertz and Goddard already to play those positions. Right. So what's the use, you know? So that's probably why they wanted rugs so bad. Uh, just They're just not going to get rugs, though. It's just not going to work. Yeah, they, they have to trade up. And I don't. It, it sounds like the GM isn't overly interested in that concept. All right, Pacheco, what is your favorite 2020 NFL draft prop bet? Real quick before we get out of here. Oof, uh, that's a really tough one. Um. I'm I'm gonna stick with the uh, with the worst to be selected in the top five. Um, the more I gather the data and the more I've studied this, it just makes a lot of sense to bet that at the price tag that that uh, we have for him, which is a really good one in my opinion. All right, Rick, your favorite 2020 NFL draft bet is it is it still the under on the quarterbacks? It was uh, DraftKings took it down. I wonder if it's because I was beating oh the drum on it. Was that defensive line? It was over under four and a half, and I was I was on the over. They took down defensive line in total. I think FanDuel was at five and a half while they were at four and a half, and I just thought that line was a joke. You can't get it anymore, unfortunately. So because the defensive line isn't there, I'm sticking with my quarterback bet uh, under four and a half. All right. Uh, my favorite one is Lamb to go ahead of Judy 
and uh, additionally, uh, Jeffrey Okuda to be the third overall pick. I think if you just if you only bet those yeah. two at even money or better, both of those I think are going to be really good prices overall. So everyone, I, I hope that you have enjoyed all of our 2020 NFL draft coverage. We will of course be doing a ton of draft recap here on daily roto tv uh this has been davis maddock ricky sanders and christopher pacheco of course we will have live nfl draft coverage here on the sports grid network i hope that all of you guys are enjoying that i hope your team drafts whoever you want and we will of course be back tomorrow with more sports talk content sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.